0: You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network. Featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is Served.
1: Hello there, this is Justice is Served. I'm Chelsea Galicia, joined by my co-host Mari Fagel, and we're bringing you this week's rundown of what's hot in legal news. Should we get started? Let's get started. There's a lot to talk about. Yes, case of the week, another Cosby allegation. But is this one the first one that will make its way to the courts? This is what's happened in this case. So a a lady who says in 2008, she was 18 at the time. She was at the Playboy Mansion, and um, she awoke to Cosby doing some interesting stuff. I I don't even want to say it. The visual is just not that great for me. But um, she is now pursuing a criminal claim against him. She's gone to the LAPD to... um, tell her side of the story, and this case might be the first one to wind its way through the courts if she has filed it within the statute of limitations. So generally, statute of limitations is how long you have to file a claim uh, or a case against somebody. And in this case, what's interesting is that generally for sexual assault, it's six years. And if this happened in 2008, the six years would be up, except if she claims rape, then it's 10 years and we're within the statute of limitations. So it's not clear at this point. But what do you think? Will this be the case that makes its way through? Here's the thing. I'm a little bit skeptical for a couple reasons.
0: Uh, One is it's not like a civil suit where it's her choice to file or not. She takes her case to the LAPD. They're currently doing an investigation. If they find that what she claims has some meat to it, then they will bring it to the district attorney's office, and then the district attorney's office will decide whether to file charges against Bill Cosby or not. Um, the fact that she and her attorney went to the LAPD headquarters downtown, held a press conference announcing these allegations, and then you know champion the fact that this could be the case that gets Bill Cosby, you know, in prison seemed a little bit like a publicity ploy to me. We have to be very careful here to try to sort through what's true and what's not true. Uh, and when we talked about last week, the UVA rape story uh, that appeared in Rolling Stone, my biggest problem with that was when someone cries wolf or even just exaggerates, it lessens the claims of everyone who is actually telling the truth. I have no doubt in my mind that Bill Cosby is a rapist when 15 20 however many number it's up to right now women are all coming forward telling the same story same type of story where there's smoke there's fire so i have no doubt in my mind he's a rapist but i don't know if this case this 18 year old now 26 uh, year old chloe Gaines, is the person to be the victim and the face of criminal charges against bill cosby i just don't know if there's enough meat to it and you know like you said there's one problem with whether there's even whether a rape charge could even be filed, one because it might not meet within the statute of limitations, two. She wasn't raped, if her story is he drugged her, she woke up to him, I'll say it, standing over her, <laughs> masturbating.
1: While sucking her toes. I'm like, just, that's not- foot
0: fetish. <laughs> a- <laughs> like, like, nothing surprises me with Bill Cosby anymore. So, um, the problem is, I don't know if this is going to be the case that gets all these other women justice.
1: Well, the interesting thing, uh, that I haven't heard that's happening in this case, uh, that well, that is happening in this case that I have not heard is happening with other cases is, is that his attorney Marty Singer uh, is going kind of proactive, uh, finding evidence to say he wasn't even there. He claims that there are records that he was uh, in New York at the time of the uh, midsummer's party, which is where this supposedly took place. Uh, so he they're getting defensive more than ignoring it. So. What does that speak to? I don't know. Do you have a hunch?
0: I think it's smart. It's not defensive. It's saying, hey, this girl's lying because we weren't even at that party. Bill Cosby wasn't even at that party when she says this attack occurred. And if this girl is lying, then they'll say all the other women are lying too. That's the problem. When one person cries wolf, all the other women who could be credible, who very much probably are telling the truth, they look less credible. And of course his attorney is going to speak up the one case where they have enough of a defense to say hey i wasn't even there that allows them to say because this woman's lying everyone else is lying the fact that they were silent with so many of the other allegations that speaks a much larger in my mind they were silent because they didn't have anything to say because they don't have a defense and in this one they do you think and
1: they were just i think waiting.
0: this this case has a lot of problems with it. I'm very skeptical of it. And my concern is if it does turn out that she
1: is exaggerating and not telling the truth, it only hurts the women who are. All right, well, we will see. And uh, it it seems that he had a show this weekend in Denver to not quite a sold-out crowd, but there were nearly 2,000 people there, even though there were protesters outside saying rape is not a joke and Gloria Allred was out there with a, uh, I believe it's a Denver native uh, supposed uh, victim who was sharing her story. Do you think it's going to make a difference? Uh, in the attendance of of the shows and his fans that there's people protesting. Here's the thing, this? Gloria Allred, <laughs>
0: she shows up at lots of different events and, you know, has her client come in, the client cries, she does her shtick, you know, sometimes... I kind of turned a blind eye a little bit to Gloria Allred when she starts to, like, parade out these women. Um, You know, like I said, sometimes I I think that she does a good job of getting publicity for cases, but it also sometimes hurts the cause because it becomes such a show and such a parade. There were 75 people out there that stood outside. and, And they should. I think the people who were protesting should be, would I go to a Bill Cosby show? No do I think that he still has the right to make a living because he is presumed innocent and there has not been any charge filed? He hasn't been brought to court. He hasn't been found guilty. Yes, I think he has a right to try to make a living. It's up to us as individuals whether we want to support that person. We don't need to give him a platform. He still has the right. Like I said, you know, NBC I saw actually has decided not to work with Bill Cosby in the future, or show have any shows with him or deals with him. So they're taking away one platform. If someone wants to give him a stage, that's their own right. He has a right to keep trying to make money, to keep trying to host shows. Uh, but I wouldn't attend them.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think I would either. As as sad as it would be to see this legacy tarnished, if it's tarnished for a good reason, because it deserves to be. Yeah, this is uh, the end of an era. But I I hope that the idea that he stood for uh, and that the Cosby show illustrated doesn't um, get completely annihilated like that can't be real. That that is real, even if this man wasn't the image or the uh, the leader or the 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 model of that kind of family and the life that the Cosby Show portrayed. So two separate issues in my mind: is he
0: a trailblazer who helped bring um, you know into all of all of the homes in America, the televisions in all the homes in America, what a black family looks like, and um, helped to raise awareness. I think yes, that trailblazing moment of his is not going to be taken away. And what he did, that's a separate issue from what he decided to do behind the scenes when he wasn't on the Cosby show. You know, I think his image will be tarnished, his personal image, but that doesn't mean the history of the Cosby show will be. And I think as time goes on, those two issues, while they seem intertwined right now, will start to separate.
1: Well, hopefully, and hopefully it's not like the UVA case where we are talking about last week about how this woman whose story was highlighted by Rolling Stone uh, magazine and is being shown to not... Uh, hold up very well is going to ruin the cause that the article was hoping to highlight. So I guess that's just my my concern. And I hope everybody else will be able to separate the two as well. What do you that's think? the problem when people come forward
0: and say, make a false claim, and especially with rape victims who already face so much pointing the finger, so much victim victim blaming, it's the only crime I can think of in my mind where the victim is immediately questioned and blamed as opposed to the defendant. If it was a burglary victim or a theft victim, no one says, oh, well, well, you deserved it or you did something that put you in that situation. That never happens. It's the one crime that people first turn and look at the victim before they turn and look at the defendant and their actions. And it bothers me when someone comes forward with a less than credible claim, because the effect is it does hurt the credible claims. And I have no doubt in my mind that at least some of the women who have come forward
1: claiming that Bill Crosby raped them are telling the truth. Yeah. And some are not. And hopefully in time, somehow we'll get to see who is telling the truth and who isn't. So, well, well, I'm I'm sure there will be much more on this.
0: Yes. Bill Cosby, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a topic we're going to be talking about on our show in the future, and hopefully a more valid claim will come up because I don't think this one personally is. We'll see if 2015 is the year where he actually addresses this, any of it. Oh, he's not going to address it until he has to. (laughs) Unless he's saying, oh, I'm not there, and he has a a completely valid defense. Moving on to On the Docket, we have a lot of stories to talk about today. Um, This first one, Phil, I want you to show the image if you can on screen, because it really is, (laughs) this is shocking to me. Basically, a bunch of um, cops in South Florida were using this image of actual young Black men for sniper target practice. Do you see a white face on there? Do you see a woman on there? Do you see someone who hasn't actually have a real mugshot? Couldn't it be Bugs Bunny on there? Why does it have to be six black men who have actually gone through the system? And you want to know how this was actually found out? This is terrible to me. A woman who was part of the department, um, she one time saw this saw the bullet holes through it and one of the men on here is her brother crazy how does that happen who had gone through the system changed his life around is now an upstanding citizen yet a picture a mugshot from when he was a teenager is still in 2015 being used as target practice and this is insane to me and um you know the department tried to defend itself, saying uh, the police chief, Scott Dennis, said he realized the six images may appear offensive when viewed apart from other targets, such as images of Osama bin Laden. OK, so the fact Osama bin Laden isn't on here, though, this is it's not like Osama bin Laden and, you know. Bugs Bunny Bunny or, you know, the recent Aurora Aurora theater shooter, someone else is on here. This is all young black men. So he's saying, oh, well, there are other six-pack lineups where Osama bin Laden and terrorists are on there. So, So it's not offensive. Yes, it is. And the fact that they're not going to be disciplining the people who are actually using this as target practice – then there's no incentive for something like this well, not but, to
1: be done in the future. Well, they, they do know that they've messed up because they have, at least for the time being, uh, suspended the training program. You don't think that means very much? I think it's a big show of, okay, mea culpa, we we, th- we did something wrong and we've got to stop and uh, and rethink what we're doing. I think what they should be doing is getting a psychologist involved to figure out what kind of images should be used because I think when you use... Images like this, especially repeatedly, not only are you training these snipers to uh, get their aim correct, but you are subconsciously training them on who they're supposed to target and shoot. And that's where this gets really dangerous, is the subconscious training of what a perpetrator or criminal looks like that you're supposed to be shooting at. And so I... I don't know if I hope that there are some with women, um, Mexicans, Asian. Like I, I don't know if that really helps it. I would prefer it be cartoons. I don't know if it has to be real people. Aren't they're just supposed to be target practice, do they need to be faces even of real people? Or faces
0: of people who are actually on the streets that they're patrolling that they can interact with. They literally can go from sniper practice where they shoot someone and then see that person ten minutes later on the street. And you're right, the psychology of it should be studied because if in their mind they're training themselves towards certain images, then are they going to be more trigger happy when they come across a
1: face like this? I I, I think a psychologist would say that you are training your subconscious mind to look for people that look like this the part of this story that disappoints me is actually the reaction of the guy whose image was used so his sister finds this uh apparently it was not well disposed of and they were supposed to be in the trash and she found it i'm glad she found it yeah, I mean, that's that's a crazy story. Somebody in the universe wanted that to happen. So she finds it and shows it to her brother, and he posts on his Facebook page something to the effect of, attention, friends, and family, I have fallen victim to racial profiling by the police department. No, you haven't, dude. The fact that they're using his picture is not victimizing him in particular and to racial profiling. The, he should be offended for people, but he's making it too much about himself. This is um, not just about He him.
0: should. As he says, the picture actually has bullet holes, one in my forehead and one in my eye. I was speechless. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a career man. He should be outraged. If I saw a picture of myself with three bullet holes and people were using it as target practice, I would raise hell on my Facebook think, page too. I
1: think he should have, and I think he should have said, you know, he could have, listen, he has a right to say whatever he wants. I'm not saying that he shouldn't, but I think that what making this about himself and that he has fallen victim to racial profiling. That's exactly what it is in my mind. But... Victim to racial profiling is you're doing nothing and you get pulled over and you get accused of a crime and prosecuted and all that for just being a certain race. Having your picture used is not appropriate, but I don't think that's fallen victim to racial profiling. I think it weakens his case because he's kind of making it dramatic and making it a- about himself. This is not about one individual. He also said individual. fallen
0: victim to criminal profiling, meaning they're putting his image on there. Now that he's a husband and a career man, they're still putting his image as if he's a criminal who should be shot at.
1: Okay, fine. That I, I don't know if I see that connection so quickly in my mind. I just see that here's, you know, I'm a fallen victim. I, I just am turned off by that that language. Um, but I still think that this should be um, offensive to people and I hope that not only this department but departments across the country reconsider the images that they use to train people because they are very serious about what it does to the brain of these uh, snipers and any police, um, well all police people who use firearms that one one shot is all takes and they're gone
0: i agree i think that i'm glad that this has been i'm glad he posted i'm glad his sister found it in the trash i'm glad he posted on facebook and i'm glad that we're talking about it because i don't think in the future mugshots like that should be used um moving on to a podcast other than ours at black hollywood live that has swept the nation become so popular just like all of our podcasts here at black hollywood live um is serial it was um basically this baltimore reporter she covered this case in 1999 of a high school student who uh, was alleged to have murdered his ex-girlfriend he went to trial he was found guilty and he's been serving time in prison for it life in prison Fast forward 2014, she's now at NPR, This American Life. She decides to do a serialized podcast, hence the name Serial, um, exploring the case of opening it back up and exploring did he do it didn't he do it um and she never came to a conclusion of whether he she he did or didn't she was very careful just to present all of the information to the audience uh but a lot of my friends were talking to me about this and they were like he didn't do it how come um you know how come this other guy the the main witness in the case was this um friend of his who claimed that he helped adnan saeed bury the body um, um, bury the victim's body, and his words were ultimately what ca- what got Adnan Sayed in prison. And um, you know there was a lot of controversy over whether his defense attorney did a good job because apparently there was an alibi witness, a girl who said she saw him in the school library at the time. He was alleged to have been murdering this ex-girlfriend, and that alibi witness um, was never presented. And so he's gone all the way through the appellate steps. This case has worked its way up the system, and um, any any appeal has been denied or um, the case has not been overturned. There is a special committee that once you have exhausted all your options you can file for a special appeal and um he has done that and it happened to coincide with the time that this podcast was airing and now the podcast is over lots of people are talking about this case and the prosecutor's office is saying that this special appeal should be denied and um it's interesting to me just how many people became so captivated by it, but it was frustrating to me how little the show actually explained a lot of the legal nuances yeah. it ended up becoming a did he or didn't he oh my god I can't believe the defense did this I can't believe the prosecutor did this without kind of explaining the rules of law and why certain people evidence. But want to hear about it but <laughs> that's so frustrating to me yeah. because you know people said to me oh my god why didn't the defense do this well it's called strategy sometimes if your you know defense Sometimes an alibi witness may not make sense. And, you know, it's a strategy call on the part of the defense attorney or sometimes or maybe a she plea had credibility
1: deal. problems and they didn't think it would hold up and they were better going another way. It's hard, you know, Twenty twenty hindsight is much easier to apply than looking forward to see what's going to work with a certain jury. Exactly. So it was frustrating to me that um,
0: so many people you know, thought they knew a lot about this case and think that, you know,
1: they're all ace investigators now. I love um, how everybody's like, oh, my God, I'd be such a better attorney than they had. It's my favorite line ever, people. But uh, it, there's a lot more that goes into it than, than you see. It, it seems very entertaining and it's very easy to say what somebody should or shouldn't have done. But there is so much going on that you have to take into account. Who is the jury or dear? I mean, there are so many parts of this that it's not uh, just about what this witness said And what you know, you have to think back to what was the credibility of each of these witnesses. So he's gone through all of the appeals and now is trying to claim that his defense attorney was substandard and. I, I'm I'm sure a lot of people try and use that to to win an appeal. In this case he's um somebody's claiming that uh he was never offered a, a deal with the prosecutors and so he should have been offered a plea deal and because he wasn't the the attorney um didn't do her job, uh but You've been in the DA's office. Those deals are not a requirement. The the defense doesn't have to ask the prosecutor for one, and the prosecutor doesn't have to provide one. If they think they have a strong enough case to get a conviction on the charges that they uh, are pursuing, then they don't need to. So that argument right there I don't think is going to work. And the basis for his appeal is ineffective assistance of counsel, which is basically
0: saying that the defense attorney was ineffective in representing him. That is a very, very, very high bar and it's a high standard. It's very difficult to prove that a defense attorney was ineffective enough to result in um, a retrial because, like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty, and the court is not there to judge every decision and
1: every strategy call and tactic that a defense attorney made. And they're made. not trying now to do that. They're not trying to say this standard isn't okay well let's look back and see where she could have done things better or different that's not how it works so i i i doubt that that's going to work
0: yeah well moving on i want to talk about um uber which seems to always be in oh, hot water poor uber. poor uber i use uber oh, I do use uber do. phil phil our producer oh, yep thumbs, thumbs up. up he uses uber so you know uber if for anyone who doesn't know is um a Car ride service, basically app on your phone, you say you need to be picked up, Uber arrives and it's gotten in a lot of hot water because cab companies are pissed because they're taking the business from the
1: cab companies. Because they're less um, expensive, they're not subject to the same regulations and requirements and that's what some of the problem has been. But now even besides that, they've gotten into their own hot water based on the behavior of some of their drivers. And that lack of regulation is what is concerning me. This is the
0: third time that an Uber driver has been accused of sexually assaulting a passenger. This particular instance was in Chicago. Um, apparently, a 21-year-old male Got in the car in the back seat. The driver asked him to sit in the front seat because, quote, his back seat was dirty. Then he tried to repeatedly kiss the victim. And every time the victim tried to open the door to get out, he sped up. Finally, luckily, he let the victim off at his destination. But in other cases, these victims have not been so fortunate and they've been subjected to alleged rape at the hands of these uber drivers and uber um released a statement they said our thoughts are with the victim of this horrible incident we immediately removed the driver from our platform upon learning of the allegations and have been assisting authorities with the investigation but in every statement i've read in which um uber has talked about these incidents they never really talk about the process um you know and how they can Better protect their um, drivers. They did say that um, he was using, he was not authorized to drive for Uber and that he used an account created under his wife's name. But,
1: but that's then, scary. Fine. like, how they, do you, you've got to find some way where people can't overcome that little loophole where you can just have anybody sign up for it and then you use their account. So that just shows a flaw in their system that definitely needs to be addressed. I'm also wondering if this is a good case where, uh, Cameras are, should be used. So if you've been in a, a car with an Uber driver, you, they always have their phone up that's got the GPS uh, where they're taking you, and it's what they use to charge you. Uh Why not have the cameras on so that the entire ride is recorded? But that
0: only helps at the point once you're alleging
1: rape and then you get to trial and you get to show
0: the video to show what happened. That's fine. I'm talking about preventing the rape in the first place. They need to have a better job of regulating. And the problem is independent cab companies have a smaller pool of drivers so they can better regulate i'm not saying this doesn't happen with cab companies but this is i don't know if uber currently is doing a good enough job
1: to protect their customers they're certainly not but i don't think it's because of the the pool of, uh, of drivers. I think, and they're being sued right now by the state of California over this. They claim to have some really in-depth uh, background check, but they... Well, it's not working. Well, but because they aren't using fingerprints, and they're not running these people up against the databases and really doing a, a check that they they should be, and I think that this actually will help the state of California, in its case against Uber, to prove that their claims that they're protecting their passengers by having drivers who pass this rigorous test well it's not so rigorous after all especially if a driver can use the account of somebody else so there has to be a way that they're going to address that but i still think that cameras even if it's really only helpful after the fact if a driver knows that a camera is on and what they're doing is being recorded. I mean, what does a camera need to be hooked up to some central center where people are watching all of these? I mean, I, I don't know how feasible that is. So that maybe somebody is supervising at, in real time as these. Uh, passengers are in the car or if it can only be used after and after when you get your receipt of how much it costs, you get your link to the video that shows exactly what transpired when y- you were in the car. I think it might help to uh, dissuade some drivers from any questionable behavior and it could be a preventative measure because you know you're
0: caught on candid camera. Um, I think whatever Uber decides to do in terms of protecting customers, what will really speed up the action is if and when they get slapped with a civil suit by one of these people who claims that they were raped by one of their drivers and what their responsibility was in protecting the customer, and that'll finally lead to action. Yeah, I,
1: I don't know, though, because Uber does its best to separate itself from its drivers when it's convenient, as you would expect a company to do. They're saying these are independent contractors, that they don't have control over them, that they're not employees. So it'll be a question of whether a court will find that Uber has responsibility for the individual behaviors of uh, of a driver as though they were an agent or employee of the company. So that's an- another hurdle that uh, the victims would have to overcome if they want Uber to be on the hook for things that the drivers are doing.
0: I'm sure we'll be talking about a civil suit because I'm not surprised if one um, hits their desk and then we'll be talking about it on this show. Uh, moving on to our final On the Docket story, Keith Olbermann. Um, I know I'm talkative and opinionated, uh, but Keith Olbermann is definitely talkative and opinionated, and he had quite um, the opinion this week. I I actually agree with him, but he eviscerated, <laughs> is the headline Penn State Uh As some of you remember, Jerry Sandusky a couple years back was found guilty of molesting several young boys in the locker rooms at Penn State, in his home, and um, famed coach Joe Paterno was likely aware of it, turned a blind eye to it, so did several members of the administration of Penn State. And because of that, um, as part of the disciplinary actions towards Penn State administration, administrative officials, they were stripped of a lot of their um, championship wins. titles yeah. and wins. So 112 wins had been stricken from the records of the school, including the 111 wins erased from the record of Coach Joe Paterno. Um, those wins were then returned back this week. Joe Paterno became, again, yet again, the most winningest coach in college football history, uh, and it was because Penn State and the NCAA reached a settlement to reverse some of the punishment from the Jerry Sandusky sandal. I want to read a part of uh, what Keith Olbermann had to say he said uh, in short the NCAA says that in exchange for an agreement that the $60 million the school was fined will be, will be spent only in Pennsylvania to address child abuse there the the 112 wins that have been stricken from the records of the school including the 111 wins erased from the record of Coach Joe Paterno, all the victories after the first time police were called by a parent about Sandusky showering with their child and Penn State's damnable cover up really began all those victories will now be restored and paterno will again become the winningest coach in major college football history because of course he was the real victim here this could be discussed for hours but the only two things that are to my mind essential points right now the naivete which still much exists in the minds of ncaa and penn state and defenders of joe paterno as if this decision or anything else will ever lessen the guilt the university and paterno share or ever reduce the disgust which the names penn state football and joe paterno will produce for decades to come this is joe paterno's legacy this is penn state's legacy football was more important to them than saving children and the second point it's hard to believe the NCAA and the school could take the most nauseating, most horrifying, most indefensible institutionalization of corruption in American sports, the Jerry Sandusky scandal, and make it worse. But today they just did. It's shocking to me that the headlines last week were all, Joe Paterno returns to be the most winningest coach in college football history. And I thought to myself, what? And then I clicked on the story and I read, oh, that's because the NCAA decided to return
1: all the wins. That wasn't the focus. What I am so curious about is what happened behind the scenes to get this deal. Like They, they shelled out the money. Well, but but it wasn't just that they shelled out the money. It's that they agreed to spend it only in Pennsylvania and on a, a, a certain I, – I, this just is really flabbergasting. So they, they said, listen, we're – well, I don't know. This is what I imagine in my mind. Penn State goes, look, NCAA, it is very important to us that Joe Paterno be – the winningest coach of all time, and we want our legacy legacy restored. Tell us what we have to do so we can get that. And oh, and pay says, sixty million dollars, keep it in Pennsylvania, to, and only uh, use it on things that on benefit child abuse children. centers in the state. And and they were like, okay, deal. Like this, something about this is. Way, I mean, what Keith Olbermann is saying is absolutely. I I agree with that. But I just wonder what happened behind the scenes that this was the deal hammered out. That that's all they had to do was pay the money that they were supposed to pay already. But then further agree that it was going to stay in Pennsylvania and be used to protect children. That was it, and. Those two things get all the 100 wins back? I just don't get it. What is the NCAA... Who who are they advocating for?
0: And how is it a punishment that it's only okay, oh, for two or three years, your wins will be stripped and then it'll be restored to you. How is that a punishment or a deterrent whatsoever? And the fact that, you know, being upset about the settlement and the decision is one thing, but being upset about how the media decided to cover it is another. Like I said, every single headline talked about, yay, Joe Paterno is again the most winningest coach, instead of Jerry Sandusky scandal. just because it you know, just because he's in prison and it happened two years ago doesn't mean that Joe Paterno should be returned back to his legacy. Keith Olbermann was the only one to stand up and actually say something and remind people why those wins were taken away from him in the first place. Like, every headline was he's the most winningest coach again as opposed to, remember the reason why the wins were
1: taken away from him in the first place? Like, everyone's forgotten and moved on. I, it seems to me that people, they get transfixed on one thing and for joe paterno it was just the win and anything else that happened could be ignored could be placated could be over you know overlooked as long as they were winning everything is fine and i, I think it says a lot about the values of the people who support him uh that uh are not ashamed of what is happening right now and who are supportive of this this deal I, Joe Paterno is is not a victim. And people are saying, but you probably don't understand the pressure that these coaches are under to get wins. They'll get fired. The schools themselves will lose a lot of money if their football teams don't do well. Uh, The enrollment in their school. I mean, basically, I see this as it all comes down to money because you want the legacy of the school to be great, to attract the best, uh, brightest students. You want the alumni to be very proud of their school and to donate lots of money. You want people to be very supportive of their programs and to respect uh, what they're doing academically and in, in sports. And basically it comes down to money, as I see it. And, and Joe Paterno's legacy turns into dollars for the school, and I think that that's probably why um, they s- stood to fight uh, against what had happened to diminish the legacy of the school, to try and make it, you know, this isn't Joe Paterno's fault. He, he was just single focused on winning. That's what we wanted him to do. This isn't his fault. And uh, I, I can't believe that the NCAA went for it. I mean, maybe they also lost money on this uh, too. And so they want to restore everything so that they don't look like the bad guy. And I don't know, they get more viewers. Of I, I, I don't know, but um, maybe call me cynical, but I think this comes down to money. Let's move a
0: story that let's move from this story which is pissing me off to a story that actually put a smile on my face.
1: Okay, good. Oops, sorry. Okay, here, I'll take it away. We are on tipping the scales, now, right? Okay, so I love this image, and this image has come out, um, which kind of which brings together, as you can see, Martin Luther King, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, uh, one of the um, police officers uh, shot in in New York, um, to to show where all of these people are on the same page. This is uh, an, an image that was uh, created or inspired by uh, Martin Luther King walking across the bridge in Selma, which, by the way, have you seen that movie? I haven't seen the movie. I know I need to. Really, really, really. I think every American must see um, the movie. I had a friend from Canada visiting over the holidays, and she even um, thought it was fantastic. And um, uh, So I I, I think everywhere around the world to see what a difference... um, peaceful protest can actually make uh, well, peaceful from the side of the people trying to make a difference not so peaceful from the side of the police and that's what the the image is trying to demonstrate is Phil, will you put the image back up on the screen? Because I do want to get input from our viewers
0: as to what do you think of this cover? Obviously, you're saying you loved it. You thought it was a great image. But the question is, you know, do you think that this is sending the right message? Do you think that this is too controversial? Do you think the addition of the NYPD slain officer on the cover was the right move or not? In my personal opinion, if it had just been a cover of Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin and Martin Luther King, it would only be telling half the story. Yeah. So, to me, the addition of the officer really um, sends a message that I think it's, I understand that, um, you know, the world isn't where Martin Luther King hoped it would have been when he had made his I Have a Dream speech 40 years ago or however, 50, 50 years ago. <laughs> um, but I think the addition of the officer was important and I'm wondering if some people feel that the addition of the officer took away from the message that, um, you know, his hope that, that America blacks and whites would be on equal playing field and would be treated the same, you know, obviously Eric Garner. Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin. That's not what Martin Luther King or anyone would hope that outcome would lead to. But I think the inclusion of the officer tells the full story that, yes, we are not where the country should be, but it's two sides of the story. There shouldn't be, you know, the persecution of unarmed young black men on the streets. But on the flip side, that doesn't mean that all officers are racially profiling. That doesn't mean that all officers are bad. And it does not mean that officers should be targets for what some officers have done. That doesn't mean they should be shot and killed in the line of duty. So I think the inclusion of the officer made it an even more poignant message, but I do wonder um, what other people think. So I think that they should um, I do want to hear everyone's output. My Twitter is at
1: Mari Fagel. At Chelsea Galicia. And uh, Chelsea, you want to give your last words on that image? Well, what I really love is is that it's bringing history and the present time together to show that peaceful demonstration is the way to go. And I find it um, great that this falls on a, a historic anniversary. Uh, some people may not be aware of this or what it means. But today is the five-year anniversary of a Supreme Court case called uh, Citizens United. And don't let the name fool you. It is not about Citizens United. You should look through the history of that case. It's really... Frustrating, But basically, the Supreme Court decided in a split decision, so this was not anywhere near unanimous, that corporations are people and that uh, co- political contributions, money is speech. And so what has happened is that we have had a massive of influx of money from rich individuals, corporations, uh, lobbies, interest into politics more than we've ever seen before. Uh, you should look up the numbers. It's crazy. Even uh, just the Koch brothers who, uh, Coke, not the soda, K-O-C-H, you should look into them, uh, they have spent uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in the elections since Citizens United uh, and cases that similarly support it have come out. And so what's happened is that now, uh, as you can see in politics, its corporations seem to be um, not seem to be are preferred over people and there are marches going on uh, in Los Angeles today and I'm sure around the country to um, protest the the decision and to see if uh, legislation can uh, be Is the way to overturn the decision uh, of the Supreme Court uh, because without it, we're losing our democracy. Even Princeton University has said that we are an oligarchy, meaning that the rich few are uh, deciding uh, the direction of this this country. So I think it's a positive demonstration for all of us that when— rights are being stripped away as they are now but we are right now we're kind of like uh, what they say frogs in the hot pot of water if you if you have you heard of this before where if you try and put a frog into a bu- uh, a, a pot of boiling water, it's going to jump out. But if you put the frog in first and then you slowly turn up the heat, the frog doesn't jump out even when it gets boiled alive. And that's kind of what's happening to us. We are frogs in the pot, and it's slowly being turned up, and we're not really seeing that our democracy is being stripped away from us, especially with decisions like Citizens United. And so these peaceful protests that are planned, uh, that were inspired, uh, we can see that they were effective because of what Martin Luther King did. I think it's all great... bringing everything uh, full circle for for today. And it's a great history lesson.
0: Well, I learned a new phrase, frogs in a pot. (laughs) Um, We can talk about that decision another time. There's a lot to say about it. Uh, But please do let us know your opinions on any of the stories we discussed today. uh, At Mari Fagel. At Chelsea Galicia. And thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next week with, again, all the latest in legal news. Thank you so much.